Greetings, fellow wanderers in the fourth dimension. This is the greatest show in the galaxy. I'm Mike, and she's Emma. And before we uh, load into our review of Oxygen, uh, I've got a couple of emails to read out. Oh my goodness! And the first one, I have to sort of like give a bit of an apology to because we actually got this a little while ago from Shane um, about Thin Ice. So <laughs> sorry about yeah. that, mate. Um, but he goes on to say, I love this episode. I think it's the best episode of Doctor Who for about three years, probably since the end of Amy and the Rory era. In a weird way, this might be the most anti-imperialist episode of the show ever written. Not only, as Mike mentioned, did Thin Ice acknowledge the issues of racism and slavery that they largely avoided in the Shakespeare Code, but the whole premise of the show is that the villain's business model is extracting value from something that's assumed to be scary and violent, has been chained and imprisoned against its will, keeps the British Empire wealthy, and largely stays hidden from plain sight. It's forgotten that most of Britain's slaves weren't in the country but in its colonies. It's a metaphor obvious enough to be noticed, but not so obvious that it makes it easy for the audience. Also, I agree that Pearl Mackey has been a revelation as Bill. One thing I noticed in the early parts of the episode of The Frost Fair was it's the first time I've seen Capaldi's Doctor seem to be enjoying himself. I don't think this is an accident. Mackie's casting isn't only good for her, but has been good for Capaldi. They dovetail together really well as a pair, and Mackie's addition to the cast has made Capaldi's performance better. This was confirmed in my mind as one of the reasons Knock Knock wasn't as good was that they weren't together as much as it was noticeable. Another example of this is Sherlock, where Moffat and Sue Virtual say that they cast Martin Freeman in part because in his audition he raised the level of Cumberbatch's performance. I don't know what Chris Chibnall's plans are, but it would be incredibly counterintuitive to toss aside Mackie when he takes it over. You would think having an established companion would actually make his job easier, as that's one less thing for him to worry about. My only criticism of this episode is towards the end, where they announce one of the boys will end Circlis Estate because women weren't allowed to own property, and they just brushed past it like it wasn't that big of a deal. It was a pity they didn't address the era's overt sexism as well as its racism. But overall, this was very good work. It positioned the Doctor as someone who takes a stand against injustice, and I have no complaints if Sarah Dollar was to become the show's first woman showrunner. So thanks for that, Shane. Yeah, cheers, Shane. Uh, yeah, some really good points there. Um, yeah, um, it's we'll say we quite we talked about the the racism and, and slavery angle quite extensively during Thin Ice, and mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's um, it's cool that we saw <laughs> that someone agrees with what we thought, which is nice. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I say with this with the sexism of the era, I think um, as with racism, unfortunately, sexism is still alive and well. Mm -hmm. um, especially when it comes to inheritance law, I think there's still a, a fair amount of, you know, men only inheritance rules and things like that. So I think uh, trying to unpack that one as well as the, the same time of race, as uh, as uh, concentrating on the racism angle, I think um, mm -hmm. maybe would have sort of you know would have come across a bit he man at the end there when it with the moral at the end. Yeah, um, I think they just ran out of time. Yeah, probably. Yeah, most likely. Um... You could always, you obviously see like Bill like bringing it up, but like like say just a time thing, you know, and you know th things haven't exactly improved all that much. Since, not in that so. respect, no, 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 not in term in those in those terms. So mm -hmm. we have yeah. to leave that one for another day. Yeah. So thanks for that, Shane. Again, sorry yeah, I didn't cheers, get Shane. to it uh, sooner, but you know, unfortunately, uh, these things happen. Um, our second email is from Carl. All right, Carl. Hey, Carl. Uh, he says, Hi, Emma and Mike. Really enjoying the slower, easier pace of the season. Back to basics for the writers, exactly what the show needed. It's new who doing classic who, and for this long time fan, that can't be a bad thing. Hope they don't overdo the arc, though, and we need more jump-out-of-your-skin moments and some scarier monsters. For me, it goes thin ice best, pilot second, smile third, knock-knock, weakest but not poor by any means. 
keep up the good work. I do appreciate it must be a hassle recording at times, no matter how much you enjoy it. We're all busy, busy, so I'd like to say thanks on behalf of everyone. All the best, Carl. Well, thank you for that. Cheers, Carl. No, don't worry. It's not a big deal for me because I'm a massive layabout. Mike's the busy one. Um, so... <laughs> No, I'm. Uh, I, you know, I'm not gonna sort of. Um, this is is order list. I mean, I think mm. that's entirely fair. I mean, I think we're actually sort of. Um, I, I sort of, although we give a numerical kind of value to, um, to our ratings at the end. Um, I sort of just when I'm watching privately, I sort of just do them on a hit and miss basis. Mm. And I mean, as as far as the four four that we've had to the point before we re uh, talk about oxygen, um, they've all been uh, you know pretty much hits for me. So I'm sort of I sort of just have my needle kind of positive or negative really in terms of my private viewing. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with the list at all. I mean, to me, they've mm. all been good episodes. I mean, yeah, I'd agree that I think Knock Knock has. I mean, as we talked about, um, Knock Knock and the pilot have had sort of niggles i think i mean we when when we sort of talked about them in the episode if we start then rewriting it you know that we've had we've had yeah. some problems with it um so i mean in terms of i mean it's it's not like when i came out of uh, alien covenant yesterday and immediately <laughs> you know started um ruining the film for everyone who was coming in past me um by trying to by basically say now hang on a minute what about this mm-hmm. uh we're not quite in those territory but uh yeah um i'd uh i you know i don't disagree with it entirely but uh, yeah. I mean, i'll probably change a couple of them around but uh yeah i mean i think that's entirely fair mm. right so then let's crack on with oxygen and uh jamie matheson take a fucking bow yeah, you know with those episodes where you don't really want to use words, you just kind of want to make excited noises? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's sort of one of those for me. Yeah. <laughs> just as a spoiler alert. Uh-huh. Um, because when, I, when I've when i got... I sort of on the other side of this. Mm-hmm. Um, it was immediately into Eurovision, and I kind of felt like I wanted to just have a timeout and yeah. process what I'd just seen Doctor Who, yeah. um, rather than launch straight into Eurovision. <laughs> I feel like we needed, like, you know, just, you know, I needed a party of a little political broadcast in there, so I'll go and gather myself. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. Okay, so. I mean, along with, I mean, just to jump straight to the end, I feel like, you <laughs> yeah. know, it's a bit in the elephant in the room with this. Um, I don't think we've had quite a sh- as a sh- big a shock at the end of an episode of modern Doctor Who, or maybe even Doctor Who full stop, mm. maybe since the fake out regeneration. Yeah. Um, for the tenth Doctor. Oh, definitely, definitely, it's certainly up there. Definitely yeah. up there. Maybe it might even surpass it. But I mean, it it's, it was one of those. It's like holy shit because it wasn't quite what I was expecting. No. What I was kind of expecting was obviously the Doctor's got the sunglasses on. Um, but when he takes them off, I was expecting that his like eyes to have a bit of like a regeneration glow to them, to like yeah. sort of, like suggest this is like where his regeneration starts and he's going to spend the rest of the series fighting it off. Mm. But to go the way they did, and it actually kind of makes sense considering what the next episode's about. Um, well, yeah. Yeah. I thought that was like, it was one of those genuine like, oh shit moments because although his eyes have healed, they still don't work. So it actually suggests that the damage was far worse than him just losing his his sight it actually sort of like suggests maybe he's got a bit of brain damage from the whole ordeal which actually is also 
quite astonishing because we know the Doctor has a respiratory bypass system and it's always been his his get-out-of-jail card for, you know, situations where, you know, oxygen is not, you know? Um, But it's it's interesting that it it sort of suggests that there's only so far it will help him before he starts to suffer it. And it's never really been touched on, like I say, so... I mean, I don't know whether this was like Jimmy Matheson's doing or Stephen Moffat's suggestion, but it really sort of goes to show that the Doctor's actions do have consequences. Yeah, and just to talk a little bit about, I wanted to sort of bring up Matt Lucas here a little bit. Yeah. Um, because obviously, when I mean, and a lot of the concern about his casting was Matt Lucas is, is primarily known as a com- as a comedian, mm-hmm. uh, as a sketch show man, you know. Um, yeah. And, but I think he was truly at his best when he was shouting at the doctor to look at him. Yeah. I mean, uh, he, he, in this, he seems, he, he's so much, he's, he's so much better when mm-hmm. he's doing the serious stuff about holding the doctor to account. I yeah. mean, not to say that he wasn't good at the gags and, you know, the bit with when Bill asks what, what happens if I'm sick in my helmet and he says, you know, smell colors and smells <laughs> and, um, <laughs> That was a great bit, that. <laughs> Which I thought was a great way to describe it. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, he was great during all those bits. And mm-hmm. the bits when he's, you know, mm-hmm. obviously trying to, he's he sort of he talk, confronting the Doctor about, you know, we haven't got a plan and it, what's happening and all this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but when he's sort of demanding that the Doctor looks at him, I thought he's never been, he's never as good as he is when he's doing these bits. Yeah. Like I say, this is the nod all I wanted to see. Yes, you get the comedy mm-hmm. bits, but also... It actually just, like you say, it does go to show that Matt Lucas can actually like bring it when yeah, he really when, can when he needs to because it's genuine. He's genuinely angry. You yeah, know, it's the sort of anger that comes from like when you're like a kid, you do something stupid, and your parents yeah, yell at you. Yeah, it's, yeah, because you frighten them more than you you being doing something wrong. Yeah, but yeah, I really, I mean, obviously, you expect these things are just be tied up in a bow and it's all fine. Mm-hmm. And like you say, the if if Stephen Moffat's error has been about anything if it, at all, mm-hmm. it's been about consequences yeah. and the Doctor not getting away with X, Y and Z that he has a million times before, in especially in Classic Who. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, the vacuum of space doesn't care who you are, Doctor or Bill. <laughs> well, he even um, says that at the top of the show. Yeah. It's going to exactly. get you. It's going to get you. Um, as everyone who's seen Sunshine will know <laughs> about uh, uh, what happens to you when exposed to the vacuum of space. Lovely. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, it, I thought it was as well particularly effective, the sort of the claustrophobia mm-hmm. it brought in the, this whole episode. I mean, not ironically, I expect that's probably the, uh, the point of it. For an episode called Oxygen, is just that it feels like you can't breathe at times. It's so mm. it's so tense for me as well. The bit that a bit that resonated was when Bill kind of comes round from her uh, having to go walk through um, the bit in out in the vacuum, yeah. and the doctor giving her a helmet, and the bit where Bill says, uh, "Ask Nardo about how he if, how he is," and Nardo is kind of like, "He's not good." Yeah, um, and that kind of that walk mm-hmm. to to see him i mean anyone who's ever had a relative in hospital mm-hmm. knows that feeling of the walk to the ward and yeah. how are they actually and all that sort of thing and that's that's definitely what it reminded me of mm-hmm. um 
and uh yeah like everyone's relative when you get there they say oh no i'm fine how are you <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yeah um i don't know what it is about the height the idea of him being blinded that feels so so i mean i don't know if it's because the doctor obviously being being unable to see now mm-hmm. when we don't know for how long this is going to last yeah um that that level of that vulnerability it's almost not the same as if he couldn't hear or if some sort of limb had fallen off or something mm-hmm. it's kind of a uniquely awful vulnerability they've given him if you see yeah. what i mean not so obviously i don't want to be like coming across as disrespectful to people who are sight impaired or mm-hmm. have lost sight have lost vision in some way um but yeah that choosing that as as what happened to him i mean i'm not really sure why it kind of feels so much worse almost than anything else but it does i, th- I think it's more because you always get this sense that the doctor's observing everything yeah you know, the, the Doctor's sort of hyper-aware of surroundings. So if you take away one of his senses, that sort of mm. hampers him a bit. Yeah, um, like you, I think you're quite right there, yeah. yeah. And I think that's probably the sense that would most likely... The sense that would like give him the most difficulty with being being without, do you know, if that makes yeah. any sense. I understand, yeah. Because he's in a unique position that he's the one who knows how to fly the TARDIS. Mm-hmm. He's the one, like you say, who's the super observant one who sees things that we just don't take in. And mm-hmm. usually, and as well, a lot with the 12th Doctor solves the problem by his powers of observation. Yeah. And they've stripped that away from him. Mm-hmm. And I also think, you know, like, in a sort of a production sense, it's probably the, the one sort of disability that's... <laughs> I don't want to say easiest to do, but it's the the easiest one to kind of sort of realise on the screen, if that makes sense. Yeah, because obviously you can put those milky contacts in and, mm-hmm. you know, you understand that visual language. It's not as easy as... And it's easier on the actor than him having to stuff an arm up his shirt or yeah. um, be in a wheelchair or, you know, having to go, oh, you know, if he lost his sense of hearing and things like that. So, um mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I completely, I completely agree with you there. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's also something that makes me remember of um, you know you used to watch CSI, right? Oh yeah. The the whole bit about like Grissom going deaf, and yeah. they would actually like, tune out the audio. Like sort of like those mm-hmm. two senses are probably the ones that are easiest to sort of um, put across in a televisual medium because I mean, like you can sort of like like taste. You can have like eat something and say, "Oh, I can't taste this," but that's sort yeah. of like not that big of like a. I mean, I suppose it is a loss in a, in a way, but it's not like. I'm trying to think of like a good way to put this. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. It's, it's like in, in terms of a visual medium or yeah. uh, things where the per- you you take that in through your your vision and your sense of hearing. Mm-hmm. The easiest to say, like you, you don't want to say the easiest, but the the strongest reaction you can get out of your audience is to change vision and hearing so like mm-hmm. you say with grissom going deaf they were tune they were sort of mess with the audio track yeah. and things like that and uh, yeah so uh, with 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 sight you can easily articulate that on the screen yeah you, we, they, you can put that in language that we understand as an audience mm-hmm. and even through body language so obviously like, yeah. the doctor's sort of like not stumbling around necessarily, but you can like tell he's visually impaired because he's there's there's no sort of real he's he's getting to where he needs to be, but it's sort of very meandering. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, uh, so, I mean, it's interesting to see, I mean, uh, from what we can gather from the little bit tidbits they're giving us about the next episode, how realistically is he going to keep this from Bill for any length of time? I'm quite interested to see how they're going to do that without Bill seeming dumb, but um, mm. we'll see. Yeah, it'd be interesting, like, if Bill sort of, she just sort of knows that... that like, neither of them are saying so. Yeah, because she doesn't want to, like, hurt the Doctor. And also, like, trying to, like, stop herself from feeling bad about having to put him in the position, even though, really, the Doctor put himself in that position by actually dragging Bill and Nardole to Chasm Forge in the first place. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, what do you make of Chasm Forge? Um, obviously, I mean, unfo- not unfortunately, but um, the spacesuits and sort of the general look of the spaceship, I mean... There's lots of parallels, and again, we talked about uh, parallel things or homages to things. I don't think they make a deliberate homage, but I mean, it definitely evokes. I mean, I, I mentioned Sunshine, mm-hmm. Danny Boyle film. Um, the spacesuits, especially, are very like those in Sunshine. Yeah. Um, and also, I mean, the obvious one is Alien again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> especially every sort of. Um, a space an idea of space where people are working yeah um that idea definitely comes primarily from i mean you're always going to be having callbacks to alien that because alien was sort mm-hmm. of the first idea that space would be industrial yeah um you know that you know the crew of the nostromo are essentially truckers <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and the chasm forge is a mine mm-hmm. and uh you know all of these things is, is, is essentially what a uh what space would be exploited for would be resources. Pretty much, yeah. 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 Um, so, what did you make of the idea of oxygen being resourced like that, apart from it being wildly impractical? <laughs> <laughs> well, impractical, but also, like, from a science fiction viewpoint, yeah. You know, it, it's, definitely, it's, it's definitely one of those, like, ideas of capitalism run rampant. And I think Jamie Matheson even said that he was, like, worried that like the whole capitalism is bad sort of angle is might might have been a bit heavy-handed well i mean this is a family show so you kind of Mm -hmm. have to give it a fairly broad brush i mean we've uh, we've talked about this several times on the show going way back to when we started um that moffat does get uh, um moffat's era does get criticized for these sort of moralistic things being a fairly unsubtle if you will mm. but i think if we <laughs> but when you're, you're you're sort of you're trying to cover everyone from 8 to 80 mm-hmm. you have to say you obviously you're acknowledging that the adults are, are with you and and the twist cut in well it's sort of presented as a twist that the company has cut off the mine from all resources so they're not profitable mm-hmm. you 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 see that coming a mile away but i mean if yeah. you're a you know a youngster you kind of need a little bit of extra guidance in getting there. So mm-hmm. to, uh, to a point, I don't mind it. And I, don't, yeah. I think on the whole spectrum of these, on those sort of moralistic points, I don't think this one was too bad. Yeah. Um, the one thing that I wanted to mention is, you know, if you were saying that it's capitalism, I'm right and whatever. I mean, in the world we live in today, mm-hmm. things like water are being yeah. privatized. I mean, it was mostly the plot of quantum of solace. Mm-hmm amongst the other five or six plots that are happening in that film. Um... <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? That's one of the things I give Quantum of Solace a pass for because, yes. you know, when you've got like a resource like that, you know, it would make sense that somebody's going to try and like monetize it. I mean, how yep. we buy bottles of water. 
You yeah. know, I mean, yes, of course, obviously, you know, tap water is not entirely drinkable in in most places, and there's and but when you think like there's there's countries out there like who who um, are struggling to have like drinkable water, you know, and then we just like buy it by the bottle. So I think like the, the whole capitalism thing. It's it's not so much like just saying capitalism is bad. It's a, it's more like capitalism is bad. So what are you going to do about it? Well, exactly. Um, you would sort of struggle to to as as a person sitting here, you would struggle to understand to understand someone who would willingly go and do a job where a thing which is essential to life is rationed mm-hmm. or the cost of which is taken out of your paycheck, if you will. Yeah. Um, but I think that those things are happening today and us living in the quote unquote first world problems Mm -hmm. don't really, as it doesn't affect us, we don't really understand it or think it's a bit, it's a bit far fetched. But the only way that I say it's impractical is what do you do when you're asleep? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you're still going to get doxxed. Yeah. (laughs) You know, you had, uh, you overslept by an hour so we're gonna you know it's it, the oxygen amount of oxygen you use today has changed so you better hope you've got enough money to pay for your extra hour in bed or whatever because mm-hmm. obviously you breathe at a different rate when you're asleep and when you're awake and all these sort of things so yeah yeah um but getting back to like chasm forge one thing i did mm-hmm. like about its layout is like the maps that they had it isn't measured in like regular distance it's measured by breath yeah, I thought that was a really cool idea. That was a nice little touch. I did like that. And um, mm-hmm. I also like the fact that although from the preview, previews, it looks like we have like space zombies. They're not. They're just, it's just the suits still operating. And they just happen to be carrying the dead people inside, which is even more macabre. Really. Yeah, which is extremely weird. I mean, uh, anyone who's ever played Fallout New Vegas mm-hmm. uh, will remember the Y-17 trauma harnesses, which are about essentially the same thing that uh, during during the uh, war against china mm-hmm. if or in alaska um these are these things were essentially you would put them on and they would inject you with stimulants and things like this unfortunate thing is when you die the suits keep going yeah so it's uh they're f- you get full skeletons walking mm-hmm. around in, in fallout um <laughs> but um yeah the idea that it just the suit just keeps on going um it's it's not Again, it's not far fetched. It's only it only seems weird because it's on a space station. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's many examples of um, things like, for example, when you've seen in the news like when it's like such and such was dead for three years and no one realised, and they go in and their the post is piled up against the door and their telly's still on and all that sort of thing, just no one realised. Mm-hmm. So it, it's kind of it makes sense that these these automated things would just continue yeah. without an organic component, as they would say in this, uh, in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I, I mean, what I really like about um, Jamie Matheson and the episodes, especially in the episodes that he's written is he, his ability to like world build, if you see what I mean, mm-hmm. um, just through like, you know, the chasm forge, they got all the, the posters up. Yeah. With about, you know, take care of your spacesuit and don't waste your breath and all this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. It, it it adds to the fabric and the texture of the world. So it really, it it feels like, it just adds to it. So it's just a realistic um, setting, if you see what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really one of the great things he did in, in Flatline, which was to build up 
really efficiently how these aliens have come to you know or the the uh, the flat aliens have sort of come to exist and how they're trying to understand the world mm-hmm. um so yeah that's that sort of seems to be a real skill of his and putting those skills in outer space of the chasm forge i think really suited him down to the ground yeah yeah absolutely i think it's it was like about high time we had like a proper space i mean you had like mummy in the orient express but yeah yeah, yeah um like just even sort of like the bits where like bill's looking out the second one doesn't feel like a like space, and then she looks out the window like, "Oh, this is space." <laughs> yeah, um, I think that something they've they've sort of been quite clever about, especially in the modern era, is to is to kind of bring home to the companions the kind of banality of 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 space, mm-hmm. if you like. That you know, it's a work site. It's a it's it's just a, it's not as exciting and glamorous as as yeah. you might think. I mean. Um, again sort of talking about today the sort of the technology we take for granted and if you'd shown the things that you know i'm stuck i I sort of stuck in my pocket without thinking about this morning when i went out Mm -hmm. um to me 20 years ago Mm -hmm. it would be like space technology and now it's just essentially throwaway yeah pretty much yeah um so do you want to talk a bit about uh bill yes let's talk about bill because God damn the the decompression sequence that I was that was like flashback to deep breath, you know. It really was, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I would, that that was actually one of the genuinely creepiest moments, and um, when she like starts having the visions of a pic of the picture of her mum, not actually of her mum, but yeah. that's that well, that one photograph over and over again. It's just oh god. And, I mean, obviously, you also you know like. They're not gonna like kill her off properly. Well, I mean, to be honest, I the, the if Stephen Moffat's era has done anything, it's the idea of nearly anything goes. And mm-hmm. although at this point Bill's plot armor is pretty thick, mm-hmm. um, I wouldn't, you know, nothing. I, I I sort of hesitate to put anything past him. If you see what I mean? Yeah. So part a little part of me was thinking, are they actually gonna do this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, but in, like in terms of like. Um, her being left to the suits. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, the the decompression thing. I could honestly like think like those generally one of those shit. How the hell is how they're gonna get away with this one? Because you know it's even worse when you like see her like a skin starting to like freeze over and you get the yeah. sound of her own blood and like a, a ringing sound. It's like oh my god. It's, it's yeah, they visceral. made it extremely visceral. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I I've got to say I give. I give the uh, I give uh, the writers and the production team immense credit for that. Mm. It's it's not often you can make Doctor Who on at tea time genuinely genuinely <laughs> sort of disturbing and scary, but that is probably one of the scariest sequences mm-hmm. in in the Return series. Sort of full stop. Yeah, and it's also coupled by the fact that when I was watching it, I was holding my breath, and that's exactly the wrong thing to do. <laughs> yeah, because you're meant to ex- ex- again. Learn- lessons learned from sunshine. You're meant to exhale. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, I don't know if that's true. I mean, yeah. I hope I never find myself in such a situation. Mm-hmm. I mean, they even sort of like touched upon it, like after, the, like immediately after the the title sequence. Um, mm. Like you know, the, the doctor's supposed to be like giving this electron something completely different. Yes, um, <laughs> but you know the the fact that he set it up and then they pay it off. 
um, was mm. like very nice, and it shows that Bill actually does pay attention to his lectures. Um, yeah. But also, what I liked about the um, the post title sequence thing is it really like shows off how much the doctor is sick and tired of being stuck where he is and that also yeah. like really sort of pays in to his comeuppance mm. i mean he even like tries to pass off the the trip to to chasm i can't i can't want to say valley forge but that's yeah. um to chasm forge um by sort of uh taking builds like camping quote unquote yeah <laughs> There are some people, not just obviously, I mean, people in real life who are none more dangerous when they're bored, mm-hmm. and the Doctor is one of those. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just give this guy a Rubik's Cube or something to do, um, because, yeah, him being stuck, I mean, there's, well, we, we, they sort of left it deliberately vague, but the whole idea that he has been on Earth for some considerable time, I and mean, it's mm. not like he's been there for six months and thrown a strop. Yeah. He's been there for like a couple of, I want to say generations, sort of like yeah. 70 years, 80 years, something, something like, that. like that. Yeah. So if this is the first time he's ever sort of given into temptation and gone gallivanting off, mm-hmm. then, I mean, that's un- extremely restrained for him, but um, the, the, they've had sort of the courage of their convictions to pay it off with the Doctor having this kind of extreme sort of extremely vulnerable um or vulnerable making thing that happens that's happened to him mm-hmm. um yeah i, I mean because it would be so easy just to go i'm fine now you know all, all fixed back to normal yeah um and they've sort of like say had the courage of their convictions to stick with it and uh actually pay it off with some consequences mm-hmm. although i suppose it will remain to be seen how long these consequences actually last or what the solution is. I yeah. mean, um, so let's talk a little bit about that. So do you feel like, like I think I'm, I'm sort of leaning towards, they're going to go down the kind of partial regeneration route, or do you think they might even keep him blind for till maybe say episode eight or something? Mm. It's a good question. I don't, I mean, I, it would be fascinating if they did keep him blind for the rest of the series, but I, can't imagine that happening i think there's going to be some sort of no. fix i mean remember there is that one shot in the series 10 trailer where you see him regenerating so it could be another sort of cheat like get out of it like like the 10th doctor did at the yeah. end of the stolen earth oh, God, it's, it's difficult because it's also sort of like it also depends on the next episode because obviously we know when it comes to him encountering the Veritas that he's still blind. We can tell that from the next time teaser. But if you look at some of the publicity photographs, um, he's in a different suit and... Not got the glasses on, but I mean, because because they've sort of deliberately not kept the milky contacts on Mm -hmm. Peter Capaldi, he could still in theory be blind, just not wearing the sunglasses. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um... I don't know. I mean, it would be interesting because I think one of the things... I remember reading somewhere that if Matt Smith had stayed around for Series 8, then Moffat's plan for that series in the 11th Doctor was for him to have a, like a, sl- uh, a gradual sort of um, degradation mm. um, leading up to a regeneration. So, like, obviously, uh, if, if you see... If you, like, watch Time of the Doctor, that's, like, the condensed version of that. Yeah. Um, 
I don't think it was. I don't think it was actually. I think it was like cut for time or something. But um, the part in the time of the doctor where the doctor like shows up and he, this time he's got a cane and he's like clearly limping. I think it was, it was implied that he's actually lost that leg. Right. And obviously, like, I think the plan would be like the entire eighth series would be still on trends law. So, it, like, gradually you'd see the doctor. Journey. So I don't know whether this is like Moffat's like last chance to do this. Obviously, since this is finally right. his showrunner. So, I think it would be interesting if they kept the twelfth Doctor blind. Yeah, I I think there's gonna they're gonna find a way out of this somehow. I think I think there's gonna be yeah some I, solution. I, I, I feel like yeah, there must be because as good an actor as Peter Capaldi is, mm-hmm. do you really want him playing blind for another the rest of the, another six episodes essentially? Because yeah. um, I mean, obviously, you know, you can. You can there there are sort of tricks to to doing it and all this sort of thing, but um, I think just from a practicality standpoint mm-hmm. and a, I mean you don't want to be hamstrung in a way from telling stories because you then have to factor in this part. So yeah, I mean if if this whole idea that six, seven, and eight are some sort of loose three parter, mm-hmm. which is is may or may not be true, we haven't no one seems to really know. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can see them definitely go keeping it for those three, mm-hmm. but I think beyond episode eight, if it is, I mean, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. I don't think, sorry, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Yeah. I think that they would, they would sort of, there would be some sort of fudge in episode eight, if you see what I mean. If they mm-hmm. don't sort it out in episode six. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's the most likely. Like, like you say, yes, it would be cool for them to do, but you know, practicality sort of maybe impedes that a little um it would be i mean obviously you know it's it's different like if you're like in a soap opera and you've got like a blind character because they would be written as blind it's not like it it, but this is just sort of like a recent development so it's kind of like how how far do you want to play that i mean especially Mm. for like a character like the doctor yeah If 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 you were just playing any ordinary bloke then yeah but considering it's the doctor it's kind of too troublesome. I, I feel. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you if they want to go for it, then okay, let's see where it goes. But mm. I just feel like at, at right this second, especially as it's Capaldi's swan song, is a kind of a thing of do you want to go out that way? Yeah. And I mean, I, I don't know if they they're sort of willing to you know throw all their cards on the table and say yeah we're going to stick with it mm-hmm. um, until the bitter end. Um, yeah. You know, if they want to do that, then okay, more power to you. But. Um, I do feel like a, a fudge is incoming, and uh, yeah. I would be fairly surprised if they don't fix it this episode next week. This episode come in. Mm-hmm. Um, so, was there anything else you wanted to mention about oxygen? Well, we've got a couple of little bits of feedback um, right. about oxygen. Uh, first one is from lovely friend of the show, Mister Rick from uh, Starbase sixty six. Hello, Rick. Um, he says, hey y'all, I finally caught up on your shows this weekend, great stuff as always I wanted to toss my two credits into your opinion pool, I'm loving this season so far I love Bill, mm-hmm. it seems to me this series is harkening back stylistically to the Tom Baker days, even to the point of Capaldi subtly mimicking Baker's mannerisms a bit, right down to the yo-yo and oxygen I really liked Oxygen by the way which might have been a sequel to the, a sequel of sorts to the Sunmakers, question mark yeah, maybe yeah, um, there, was a, there was a good like, uh there's not a big dose of sunmakers in there, I thought. Obviously, yeah. with you know, with the company. Yeah, um, I mean, classic Doctor Who has has not got a lot of sort of overtly 
mm-hmm. political inverted commas. I mean, obviously, you've got the two Peladon stories, which yeah, are yeah. sent to be about our entry <laughs> to the European <laughs> Union. <laughs> Sad face. Um, <laughs> and obviously, you have uh, Green Death, which is sort of an environmental yeah, yeah. Um, thing, and a little bit about, I mean, I've heard it say, that, and, oh no, and then the. Um, the Mara episodes, which are meant to be a bit about Buddhism, but I don't really understand, know enough about Buddhism to make a comment about that. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, uh, say so definitely these sort of any sort of these episodes where you have like a big company conglomerate, yeah. uh, the Sunmakers, it's it's a good comparison. Um, I would say definitely come and uh, go and check that out. Um, like Rick's obviously done, um, and he also says, uh, looking forward to your take on it. Maybe you could explain how Bill's suit you could could have think it killed her and then maintained enough oxygen to keep her alive. Um, plot armor. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> you, I mean, really. I mean, if you want to really be generous, I mean, you could suppose you could sort of say it's a bit like anaesthetic. The electric shock was enough to kind of switch off her central nervous system, but not enough to kill her. Mm-hmm. And then just sort of bring her, brought her back. I mean, obviously, you know, she was down for quite a long time, so. Um, yeah. you know, maybe don't ask her to count to ten and down again, but um, otherwise I'm sure she's fine. Um, <laughs> and uh, good mate of the show, Tony Boydell, uh, just a short one about Oxygen, mm-hmm. where he says, it's the best episode of the series so far. Creepy, smart, noodles are fun. A blind doctor, FFS, and who else would have thought just for a second that we might have had an early regeneration? Brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so thumbs up all round, I think. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so... Time for the scores, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm um, I'm sort of in a in. I, I thought, could I give it a ten? And I'm I'm not quite ready for a ten for this. I mean, for me, I think it's probably the best episode, maybe since Flatline. Yeah. Which of course Jamie Addison uh, wrote, and I gave that a ten when we reviewed that. I think this one's going to be a nine for me. Yeah, it's definitely not a nine. quite. I'm, it's not quite at the heights of sort of flatline and other mm-hmm. episodes I've given tens to in the past, but it's an absolute corker. And I think it's one of those ones, a bit like Time of Angels, that when everything's all said and done, and you go back and watch Oxygen, there'll be a heck of a lot more to unpack out of it. But just from where we're sitting now, um, it's a nine for me. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Definitely nine. Um, I really don't think Jamie Mathen's put a foot wrong here. No, um, in everything he's done, I think he's been excellent. So mm. I look, I you know, I I hope for more more of his work. I don't know if we'll get it with Chibnall though, because uh, mm. I think uh, Jamie Matheson said that uh, I think he prefers to work with his own team of writers. Yeah. So I mean, you know, that doesn't necessarily rule out a return somewhere along the line, but yeah. I don't know if we might. This might be the last for a little while that we see of uh, Mr. Jamie Matheson, and if that's the case, then. My hat's off to you, sir. Yeah, it's been marvellous. Yeah. Honestly, God, I mean, I, I hope, like, like like Shane's, I wish for Sarah Dollard to be a future showrunner, I would definitely toss Jamie Matheson's name, name into in the hat. hat. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Definitely. So if you have any thoughts about Oxygen, you can send them to us at our regular email address, greatershow at simplysyndicated.com, to our Twitter account at greatershowpod, and our Facebook page, facebook.com slash greatershowpodcast. Whilst you're listening to us, feel free to check out our sister shows on the network, Simply City Eight Movie News, Atomic Trivia War 9000, Masters of None, Do Ask Do Tell, Bat Channel 66, Here Goes Nothing, Take It or Leave It, The Southern Chevron, The Little Pot of Horrors, Reagans and Go-Go Boots, Nerd Huddles, Making Sense with Richard Smith, The Greatest Events in Sporting History for Those About to Rock, Dangerously Unprepared, and Starbase 66. As... <laughs> I have to use some credits there, like... <clears throat> 
As always, we welcome your support, and the best way you can help us out is by subscribing to Simply Everything. For a monthly fee of just £6, you can enjoy a library of podcasts from the archives of Simply Syndicated, as well as episodes of the exclusive Simply Everything shows, Shaking Not Stirred, and Rupertor Spinoff's Oh Boy and Trust No One. Simply Syndicate also runs a merchandise store offering apparel and accessories to both Europe and America. You can also support the network through a monthly page on Patreon, or you can donate to the network through paypal.me, of which links to both are on the bottom of the website. So with that being said, thank you very much, Emma. Thank you, Mike. And until next time, take care and bye-bye. <laughs>